Welcome to Mac and Jack Talks NBA. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another exciting episode. It is the off season, so there's not that much to talk about. But a few weeks ago, there was a major event: the NBA Hall of Fame, and that's the topic where I discussed a lot with my friends and fans and listeners. You guys, is Chris Webber? Really, a Hall of Famer? My initial thoughts were, he definitely wasn't because he seems to choke everywhere. In college, in two years in Michigan, he choked and never won. With Sacramento Kings, he went to the conference finals and got destroyed by the three P Lakers, and he's never won. And I believe that was the only time he even made it to a conference finals. Looking at from memory, his skill wise, he had an open jumper. He had post moves. He was able to rebound decently and assist. He was a well-rounded player, but he was not that athletic. He never really elevated his game to a very, very high level. To me, a Hall of Famer is someone who is. Consistently in the talks of being a potential regular season MVP, a Finals MVP, a winner who regularly makes it to the conference finals, makes it to the finals, maybe has won a ring or two. Now, not everything is required. You have to look at things in a holistic way. But when I remember Chris Webber and looking at his accolades at a high level. Wikipedia tells me how many times has Chris Webber made the NBA first team? Once in 2001, when he averaged 27 points with the Sacramento Kings, he was three-time All NBA second team, which is not bad. One-time rebounding leader, I'll give him that. And All Stars, I don't really count, even if I counted them, only five times All Star. Really not that great. I think even Paul Millsap and Al Horford had more All Stars than that. What do you think, Jack? From what I saw in the highlights and from what I remember, I believe his skill set is very bland, basic, more just fundamentally solid, and I think that. He kind of reminds me of a unathletic version of Joel Embiid because Joel Embiid also has a mid-range game. His patented move when the mid-range is when he、uh, runs up the floor a little bit. He puts a little crossover to set himself some space. He takes that near the free throw key line mid-range shot. For most of the highlights, that seems to be his patented. Mid-range jumper, if it's not open, and for the post-up, it's really just banging inside and that little right hook. I think that was his best moves. It's not for a big guy back then. I believe his handles were a bit better than most, but to me, if it's in comparison to nowadays, 
for sure, it's lacking compared to the modern big men like Nikola Jokic, Nursef Nurkic, and all those other players. So, what I also saw in his highlights were uh, he was really good in the offensive rebounding, and he did pretty decent for steals and blocks per game. For a big man back then, that's actually very rare for big men to do steals because we all know steals is more of a guard-like position movement. So for him to be able to average at least 1.2 to 1.6 steals per game throughout his entire career, I think that's really magnificent. To me, I think he really opened up uh, the big man's versatility game before KG, uh, Kevin Garnett because from the stats, he is a double-double machine, which was very general, very accustomed to back then because big men will always crash the board. And he also scored in a very high volume in for his points per game, at least 15-plus to... Highest 27 that one season he made the All-Star. So, I think he what he really opened up was for the big men in the modern is the assists. Because for a big man, he averages at least 3 plus assists. Maximum 5.5 assists per game throughout that one season in 04-05. So, that comes to show you that a passing big man back then was very rare. We all know that KG was more well-known in the mid-2000s mid for being a big man who was who had guard-like skills where he was able to run the floor, block shots, do steal, carry the Minnesota Timberwolves to playoff berths many times. That one time to the Western Conference Finals, very close, but never making it to the NBA Finals. So that comes to show you that you can give credit to Chris Webber of opening up the big men market skill set with his passing, blocking, and uh, and steals. But I believe that for Hall of Fame, I'm very iffy about that. To me, it's kind of a borderline. It's also kind of like if Chauncey Billup ever made the Hall of Fame, I can see why Chauncey Billup is a good leader and he has earned his nickname of Mr. Big Shot. But he wasn't really much of a guard who really assisted a lot compared to in comparison to John Stockton, Steve Nash, all these Chris Paul, Darren Williams, all these other uh, guards who is well-known for their assist game. So that comes to show you that, for, for to me, Chris Webber and Chauncey Billups are on the borderline. They are just borderline Hall of Fame. I can see why they are admitted and admitted into the Hall of Fame, but... It's not really convincing to me in comparison to most play, most ballots like Chris Bosh, The Truth, Paul Pierce, and Ben Wallace. Those people 
were ch- changing factors for their team, whether it's through leaderships or leading through a defensive end, having uh, versatile skill sets, being clutch in the big moments. I think those three other players that I mentioned, Chris Bosh, Ben Wallace, the truth, Paul Pierce, are for sure Hall of Famers. But Chris Webber, I still have my doubts. What are your opinions, Mac? The argument for Chris Webber being a Hall of Famer is his is his, the sense that he was the best player in every team he played for, even though he played for a really garbage team, such as the Washington Wizards, the Sacramento Kings, and then an aging Philadelphia 76ers. That lone season where he won rebounding uh, leader with 13 in 1998-99, the 20-plus points per game for seven years in a row is impressive. That 27.1 points per game in 2000-2001, giving him the lone All-NBA first team, is, is good. But there are glaring holes in his game as well. If we look at his health, we do see him missing a lot of games. Even in Sacramento, he played 42 games. I know it was a lockout year. 75, 70 is okay. And then 54, 67, 23, 46. You see his health decline. His three throw shooting is always hovered around 60, 70%. One year, he hit almost 80%. And so, he is a well-rounded player, and he definitely is a good player. If you were to list the name of all the best big men, though, in NBA history, I think you would have to go fairly far down to hit Chris Webber. Um, this one is a difficult one for me. I was very sure he's not Hall of Famer, but which is why it took him three, four years to finally make it in. But uh, now looking at his stats and looking at his highlights, he is very well-rounded, so I'm not too angry he made it in. Another borderline player that I think will may eventually make it in is Billups, Mr. Big Shot. Chauncey Billups with his finals MVP leading the Detroit Pistons in 2003-2004. His stats were not amazing, but he was clutch. He could hit the three throws. He did have his assists. He was a good defensive player. So maybe that finals MVP really pushed him over. His other stats were he's a five-time All-Star. Again, All-Stars don't mean much to me because it's really a popularity contest. He did have a two- time All-NBA third team, a one-time All-NBA second team, and a two-time All-NBA second team defense. So it's it's pretty good, but not the best. So to me, Ben Wallace is a lock. It's a, it's a fairly sure lock because defensive-wise, he was a monster. He was able to guard Shaquille O'Neal, preventing them to winning four times in a row allowing the Pistons to play one-on-one, which really, really clamped down on the defense and kept the score below 100 points 
four-time All-NBA Defensive Player of the Year, four-time All-Star, three-time All-NBA Second Team, two-time All-NBA Third Team, five-time All-Defensive First Team, two-time Rebounding Leader, and an NBA Block Leader. These kind of stats are like Dwight Howard-ish, and in my opinion, Dwight Howard is a lock as well. So if I were to redraw the line of who makes it in to the Hall of Fame and who does not, Hall of Fame players, Chris Webber slides in barely. Chauncey Billups slides in barely. That finals MVP and championship ring allows him to. Players like Rashid Wallace will not make it in. He was a four-time All-Star as well. Like If you start letting everyone in, you're going to water down the Hall of Fame. You're going to have to start letting in people like Rashid Wallace, Meta World Peace, or Ron Artest, even Jermaine O'Neal. These players had really good years for maybe four or five years, were the best players on their team. But at a certain point, you have to draw the line. In whose starting five would you ever put Chris Webber and Chauncey Billups? But again, Chauncey Billups has that finals MVP. I think with the exception of Andre Iguodala, every finals MVP player would be up for consideration for being a Hall of Fame player. Another thing that rubs me the wrong way about Chris Webber making in as uh, being a Hall of Famer is if you look at his career, highlights and accolades, was one-time first team, three-time second team, five-time all-star, you look at players like Al Horford, he was a five-time All-Star. He was an All-NBA third team, All-NBA defensive second team. You look at Paul Millsap, he was a four-time All-Star, All-NBA second team. And it's, you know, like Ron Artest, NBA champ, one-time All-Star, defensive player of the year once, uh, multiple-time All-Defensive first team and second team. Like, it, you have to draw the line into into where you allow players into the Hall of Fame. To me, there's first first ballot, second ballot, and third ballot. Third ballot is reserved for Weber and Billups. Totally. I would put Chris Weber and Chauncey Billups in the third ballot too if there was such a thing because you can tell that both of them have a very common point, which is not really athletic in comparison to other guards like Chris Paul, Steve Nash, John Stockton, all those other players that I mentioned. Chris Webber, yeah, he is very solid, very fundamentally sound. But in terms of athleticism, not sure if it's because of his college or university highlights that they gave him such high praise. But to me, in comparison to big like talented big men like Hakeem Elijah Jawan, Carl Malone, um, Shaquille O'Neal, he is Oscar Robertson. Th- those players are true big men who are really good that deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Chris Webber, again, a borderline. Same with Chauncey Billups. If, if he ever makes the nomination or makes it into the ballot of the Hall of Fame class. This is today's this is the end of today's episode. Look forward to next episode. Thanks for listening.
This is the end of today's episode. Please like, share with friends, and subscribe.